This is the Steve Poos Benson Podcast, and I'm Steve Poos Benson, the host of this podcast. You know, the purpose of this podcast is to uh, allow me the place to explore different thoughts and ideas about life, about spirituality, and the purpose of life. Everything from uh, recording some of the sermons that I've preached, uh, doing sermonettes like what I preached on the last podcast, and then uh, sharing with you different interviews of people that I find interesting. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to uh, do an interview today with someone who I have a lot of respect for, someone I've known for several years here at Columbine United Church. I consider him a friend as well as a church member, and that's Todd Rice. Todd, it's good to have you here today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. So uh, Todd's got an interesting story, and I just want to kind of dive into the interview and see where it goes. So Todd, tell us a little bit about um, your business, that you were a very successful businessman. Tell me about your work. You know, I've been a realtor now for over 23 years. Um, about the only thing I'm qualified to do is real estate. Um, my father was a realtor for 45 years, wow. and uh, and he's the one who got me into the business. And uh, I was blessed to have a business with him and be partners with him for four years before he uh, he passed away of prostate cancer. Wow! So, wow. but we uh, we uh, we used to play golf once a week together, and we used to sell a ton of houses together. So it was awesome. So he taught me everything I know about real estate. So I mean, you're a very successful businessman. What, what's the key to your success? You know, I, I, I think that the key to my success is that I found a career where I can focus on helping other people. And uh, in real estate, it's a service industry. And so I get to help people find a new home. And I love helping people. So um, anytime you can get paid and do something you enjoy, uh, you're going to be successful at it. At least I think so. So, so uh, let's, let's plug your business. Where, where's your office? So Colorado Home Realty. Um, I'm down off of uh, on Main Street in downtown Littleton, right on the corner of Maine and Nevada. Uh, and I'm on the second floor. Perfect. So if people want to find you, they would... Yeah, just give me a call. Um, my cell phone is 720-318-4812. I would love to talk to anybody about real estate or anything that we talk about today. Perfect. Good, yeah. good. So, But you're also telling me about your family. Uh, married uh, to a beautiful uh, wife, Carrie, and I have a 12-year-old son, Jack. And you know, you are also, I would say, a very successful family man. Yeah. What's the key to your, what do you think is the key to a successful marriage? You know, that one I'm still working on. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, I think that uh, Carrie and I, we understand each other and, uh, and we give enough, uh, give each other enough room to make mistakes. And we understand when we make mistakes that we're there to help each other through them. You know, um, we don't hold grudges. Carrie and I rarely ever fight. Um, and we, uh, and we love each other, you know, and we have our priorities straight, you know, and between all of it, you know, as we have God in our lives, you know, and that's what keeps us together and keeps us peaceful. So, I mean, you're a dad. How old is Jack? Jack is 12 years old. What's the key to being a good dad, you think? You know, I, I, I'm still working on that every day as well. <laughs> so, um, but I think the number one thing is it comes down to is uh, no matter what is I just love him up. You know, I just give him as much love as I can and, and, uh, and just try and guide him and show him, you know, exactly the mistakes I made so he doesn't have to make the same ones. But um, more than anything, I just support him on the decisions he makes. Cool. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you is uh, several years ago, you told me a part of your story. Mm -hmm. And when I heard the story, I was humbled, kind of beyond humbled. And I, I thought to myself, this is someone that I want to get to know because your life has a depth to it that, um, that I respected and I wanted to get to know you. So tell me a little bit about your story. Why? Okay. Tell, me, tell me about your story. Well, I mean, I, I was, as I said before, my dad and I were best friends, you know, and I was, I was raised by amazing parents um, who gave me 
anything that I possibly could ever want. Um, they probably gave me more than, uh, you know, more than more than they should have, to be honest with you. I was probably, I consider myself spoiled rotten, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, and I know where you're leading, but, you know, I, I uh, when I was in, a, um, I've always had an issue with alcohol and drugs. Um, and going into my, uh, my, uh, my college years um, is when things really started getting out of control, you know. Um, and that's when I realized that I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. Wow. So, uh, so it goes all the way back to... How old are you now? Uh, I am 52 years old. 52 years yeah, old. Yeah. And so you were quite a journey working your way through your um, older adolescence, yeah. young adulthood. Yeah. I think uh, I think I realized that I had a, an issue with alcohol probably in my early 20s. In fact, in college, I dropped out of school uh, because of an addiction to drugs as well um, for a couple of years and then went back and finished later. Um, so, But I've struggled with, uh, with drugs and alcohol for many years. So how long have you been dry? Um, well, I, I consider myself in recovery. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I uh, have been sober now uh, 14 years since April 4th. So I have, the, I have a great sobriety date of April 4th, 2004. So 4 4 wow. is the day I got sober. Yeah, That's really cool. So just yeah. a few weeks ago, you had your 14th just, anniversary. Just celebrated my 14th anniversary of being sober. Yes. You know, I'm yeah. very, very proud of yeah. that. I think that that's awesome. Thank you. That's a hero's journey. That's Thank wonderful. You. Thank you very much. And the cool thing, too, is, is I got to spend, you know, before my father passed away, he got to see me, you know, turn my life around and, and, and work with him for the last four years of his life when I was, you know, in, in sobriety, and he got to see all the changes that I made in my life, which was great. That had to be a huge celebration. It for was. Him. It was amazing, absolutely. And then when he did pass away, I was there. I was able to be there for my family, and not be drinking through the entire process. You know, I was able to support them and help them through their grieving process while you know we were dealing with the passing away of my dad. Wow, very so, yeah. cool. Yeah, very cool. So one of the things that uh, that you do that um, I find inspiring is your work with other addicts and alcoholics. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that work. You know, um, my most recent experience is I just got done speaking down at a rehab center on Friday with a bunch of guys who are trying to get sober. And, uh, and it's just an amazing um an amazing get experience and and a gift, you know that I that I that uh, the grace of God has given me the ability to share what I've gone through to help other people see that there is hope um, through addictions and through alcoholism that you have a chance and that there is a way on the other side. You can get away from the drugs and the and the alcohol and live a, an amazing life that I have been given. So you you kind of come to people in the middle of their darkest hour mm-hmm. and you try to be a uh, what a ray of hope. Yeah, you know anytime that somebody reaches their hand out for help, you know, I want to be there, you know, and, and anytime that somebody asks me to share my story, I need to be there. I need to be there to show that, you know, I was, I was literally living on the streets at one point in my, in my life. You know, I had this old beat up uh, convertible Mustang that I was sleeping in the backseat down on Colfax. And it was the, the lowest point in my life, you know, and I'll never forget. I mean, looking at you, no one would ever know this about you. (laughs) Here you are, this over the top, Vibrant, successful yeah. businessman, a successful husband uh, and father, and to know that your life was tanked. Yeah, it, it was, was on tanked. the street. It was on the streets. Yep, 
And and I will never forget that um, that that and I'd been trying to get sober for years at that point in my life. And I'll never forget walking down the streets and I was in tears, you know, and I was just I was at a complete devastation, um, incomprehensible demoralization is what I like to say. You know, I was there. Incomprehensible was there. demoralization. demoralization. Yes. And so it was just beyond imagination. Beyond imagination. Wow. And I will never forget. Um, just I had tears coming down my face and I was a mess. And I'll never forget walking down Colfax and a man walked up to me and 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 said you know you and it was amazing because the guy was dressed in all white in a white jumpsuit you know from white from head to toe wow. <laughs> and he looked at me right in the eyes and he said you don't have to feel like this anymore you don't have to live in pain like this anymore and wow. he took me to a meeting and and uh, and I've been sober ever since you know wow. going to meetings yeah and and the funny thing is I've never seen that guy again wow I know amazing right would you say that that was um, now. This is me kind of projecting, but I'll kind of go for it. Was that an, an act of God? Absolutely, absolutely. If it wasn't for God and and me connecting with a higher power, um, I wouldn't be sober. I, w- I probably wouldn't be alive today. Huh. You know, the only reason because I tried getting sober many times through. I once tried getting sober through a hypnotist. You know, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. You know, mm-hmm. I tried all sorts of means. You know, I tried just drinking beer. You know, instead of the hard stuff, I tried a hundred different directions. Of getting sober and it, nothing ever seemed to seem to grab for me I always seemed going back and hitting bottoms after bottoms after bottoms but it wasn't until I got into into a recovery program where I worked at 12 steps that that I got a God in my life and once I accepted that there was something else out there that could fill this hole in my chest that I kept stuffing with all these outside things and just fill it with this God presence in my life that I was able to stay sober Wow. You think that that's a key for, um, for people now in recovery, but that when they're looking at recovery, that they have to find that same sense of God's presence? You know, I don't, I don't think that, that there is one particular way that people can get sober. But for my personal experience, the way that I found that I got sober, that's the only thing that got me sober was I had to find a God that was going to be able to replace that emptiness that I had inside of me. Um, do you share that with other guys? Absolutely. Any chance other I people, get, rather? anytime that somebody comes to me that they ha- they're having a hard time with their addiction or drinking or whatever it is, and they ask for help, I want to share exactly what I went through. I want to make sure they understand that I know what it's like to feel demoralized. And I want to let them know that there is hope, you know, and I always say, you know, I will never be a recovered alcoholic. I will always be an alcoholic for the rest of my life. I have that gene. I will never get away from that. But I have 100 percent recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. I have hope in my life today. You know, I have hope in my mind. I have hope in my body. I have hope in my spirit, you know, and I'm trying to grow all three of those every day. I'm trying to find balance, you know. Um, I kind of find that balance is like a pendulum, though. I wave at it as I go from one extreme to another at times <laughs> in my life. But, uh, but you know, I'm always striving to make that swing less and less, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, so, I mean, one of the words that, that you use and that I hear other people use that I have a lot of empathy for is the whole term of recovery. Mm-hmm. Talk talk about talk about what does that mean to be in recovery? You know, and it's exactly what I just said. You know, I'm, I no longer I, I, I'm no longer hopeless. I no longer am feeling dread. You know, I'm no longer living in fear. You know, I have, I have, you know, when I, when I got sober and I started working the program, um, I was driven by a thousand forms of fear. You know, I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of my own shadow, you know, um, to be recovered means that I'm no longer living in fear. 
And it's because I'm, I'm supported by a power greater than myself. I have a God working in my life. I have a conscious contact of a God that I never even understood existed before. You know, I always had this idea that there was this thing out there, but I never understood that I could actually feel the presence of God. And once I got into a, the program and I made an amends process, I cleaned up the wreckage of my past. You know, I cleared all that away as hard as it was. I had to go through and do that. But once I did that, then this 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 overwhelming feeling, and I, and I get goosebumps when I think about it. Yeah. You know, this overwhelming feeling of a power greater than myself comes into my life, and and I feel at peace, and I no longer have to walk in fear anymore. I know that I'm all going to be okay. You know, has that presence of God? Did, have you ever felt it wane in your life? That kind of go you away? You know, I constantly. You know, I don't I don't struggle with addiction anymore. You know, I I'm not worried about drinking or drugging ever again. You know. Um, but every day I struggle with my spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. something that I have to work on every day. I have to pick up tools and I have to pray and meditate every day. And I have to honestly, I have to reach out and be of help to somebody else every day to mm-hmm. try and stay in the middle of that boat and to try and help and try and stay where I know that I'm going to be able to be of maximum service to people when they ask for help. Yeah. You know, so I want to talk a little bit about that. I mean, a um, couple of the conversations we've had, and I don't want to ask you to violate any confidences, so sure. you, you're going to have to guide me on this, but um, you've walked some really hard roads with people who have battled addiction. Can you talk about about any of that? You know, um, it, 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 it can be very difficult. I've been to a lot of funerals, you know, in, in, in recovery. Um, you know, most recently my college roommate, and we've talked about this, um, who I love with all my heart, you know, just passed away of alcoholism, you know, he, um, you know, he just couldn't get it, you know, and, and, uh, and I, and he tried and tried again and it just, it just didn't work out for him that way. And, and he ended up passing away just recently and that just broke my heart. Um, and you know, not everybody's going to get sober. You know, and 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 I, I have to come to a position where I don't understand it, but I have to accept it. You know, and I know that when somebody is ready to try and do this deal and trying to turn their life around, I just know I need to be there for them if I can. Yeah. So, what is it that would keep somebody um, from wanting to get clean? That they drink to the they drink themselves to the point I mean, or, or whatever to the point of death. What would keep them from wanting to grab a hold of life and go in a different direction? You know, it's they, there's 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 a part in the in in recovery that talks about you know we either accept spiritual help or we blot our lives out to the bitter end. You know, wow, you blot your life out to, to the, the bitter, bitter end. end. Yeah, wow. exactly. But but if um but if you're if you're truly an alcoholic or an addict, you, you know when you when somebody asks you that question, what do you want? Do you want to live a spiritual life or do you want to blot it out to the bitter end? You know, as a true alcoholic, will pause. Really? Yeah. Well, how bad of a bitter end are we talking? You know, is really? what they'll ask themselves. Absolutely. You know, hmm. you get to a point, you know, when drugs and alcohol take over your life to a certain extent that there's that's your best friend. You know, that's the one thing that you can count on, you know, and that's what the one thing that you lean to to solve all your problems, you know. And now you want me to give that up? You know, are you crazy? You know? Um, it's a hard decision for a lot of people. I mean, when you are wrapped in so much fear and you have the one thing you know that's going to make you feel good immediately, you know, by taking one drink, you feel that instant ease and comfort comes over you. You know, when you're asked to give that up, it's not an easy decision for an alcoholic or an addict, you know. Wow. And so, I mean, there had to be a, a heartbreak to watch your college roommate go it, through that pain. It broke my heart. It absolutely tore me and tore me in two, 
Wow. You know? And I've had sponsees, you know, that I've that I've been trying to help sober and you know, and and to have them pass away. And then to go to the funerals and have their moms hugging me and crying, you know, why couldn't he get sober? You yeah. know. And one of the, it just breaks um, my heart. One of the things that kind of ripped my guts out was uh, several months ago, we were standing in the narthex of the church, and there was a mother there whose son had just died and uh, from alcoholism, mm-hmm. and you were a part of this kid's life, yeah. and the two of you kind of met up with one another, and she literally threw her arms around you, yeah. thanking you everything you, that you did for this, yeah. this young man. Yeah, that, that was a pretty powerful moment. It was, you know, I remember. Yeah, it was a very powerful moment. In fact, I had forgotten just until you brought that back up. But wow, yeah, that was that was a great moment, you know. And to be able to meet her face to face because I'd never met her before face to face, you know. But I talked to her over the phone and then met her son, you know. And and uh, you know, tragically, he passed away, you yeah. know. So, um, but it was it was good to see her, and hopefully, she's finding some peace around it as well. So, yeah. you know. What would you say to somebody who is uh, wrestling mm. with alcohol or drug addiction? Um, as someone who has walked the road, I mean, you just yeah. kind of described something. What do you tell to someone like that? You know, there is hope. You know, you don't have to feel that pain anymore. You don't have to live that life anymore. There is a way out. There is a way to completely turn your life around. And it's not easy. It is hard. You know, it's a very simple program, but it's not easy. And you've got to be willing. I personally had to be in so much fear of continuing to live out at blotting till the bitter end, you know? That's a, that, that, that's a that, powerful term, that, that, blotting it out to the, the bitter, bitter end. end. Yeah, I, like blotting your mm, life out. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a horrible, oh, way, to a live, horrible, horrible way, way to live. horrible way to live. And finally, the fear got so great that that's where I was going to end up. Um, that that fear got greater um, to, that I was going to stay that way than the fear of change, you know? And I finally was willing to make the change, you know? So, and that's when I made that choice and I actually sat down with the guy and we met every week, you know, and we did what, what, you know, what was laid out in front of me. It's a simple path that's laid out in front of me, you know, and, and when I met with him every week, it took me about nine months, you know, when I first got sober before I stopped thinking about drugs and alcohol every day, nine months, nine months. And I'll remember, I remember about after about nine months, you know, sitting in my, in my townhouse, um, which is amazing that I had a townhouse after nine months coming from off the streets. Um, oh, that is compelling. Yeah, wow, that is huge. Yeah. That is huge. And, uh, and I remember sitting there and I remember and I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I haven't thought about drinking or drugging all day. And it was nine months into the process. Wow. Yeah. So for someone who, who is in the middle of it, who is in the middle of, of an alcoholism or isn't blotting their life out, God, the term is so overwhelming, through either drugs, alcohol, you would tell them, look, you don't have to live this way. You don't have to feel this pain anymore. You don't ever have to drink again. You know, all you have to do is a few simple things. What are, so what are the few simple things? Give us some concrete. Well, what know, do they do? The what pro- do they do? The program talks a lot about there's a spiritual toolkit, you know, that you can pick up, you know, and that is going to meetings, you know, talking to go, other going app, Going to AA meetings? Going to a meeting, yeah, uh-huh. and, and a meeting of recovery, um, uh-huh. whatever that is for uh-huh. you, uh-huh. Um, and, and, uh, and talking to other people that have been through what you've been through, you know. Um, like I said, call me, you know, I'll get you in the right place. You know, if anybody's listening to this that needs to, you know, give me your phone number, give me your phone number again, 720-318-4812. Okay. That's cool. Anybody please call me. But, but I would say that, you know, if you want to get out of this desperate position, you know, call me, call somebody else, you know, who's recovered, somebody who's sober, you know, um, and get to a meeting, you know, I, I go to meetings 
as much as I can. You know, I don't do it nearly as much as I did when I first got sober. When I first got sober, though, I was going to two to three meetings a day. Really? Yes. So it takes that kind of work. I mean, if someone's going Mm -hmm. to get sober, it's not something that they're just going to go do for like a Mm. 30-day recovery. It's something that they're going to take... This is the, the rest yeah, of their life to after, commit to. After 14 years, I still go to at least two meetings a week. You know, um, I still go to rehabs and I talk to guys that are that are struggling. You know, and, and share my story. You know, um, I still meet with my sponsor. You know, I still sponsor people. You know, I, I've I've entrenched my life in recovery. You know, and and it's actually uh, it's a better life than I ever could have imagined. You know, there's points. You know, there's some people that say they're grateful to be an alcoholic, and and I understand why they say that because they're grateful to be an alcoholic. Yeah, because they're grateful because alcoholism gave them the opportunity to walk down a path to find God. Wow. You know, huh? um, so it's a blessing if you look at it that way, you know, mm-hmm. had I, had I not been an alcoholic, would I be, would I ever have the ability to sit with my pastor and talk about God over, over a podcast? I don't know if I would or not, you know, mm-hmm. but I know that because of what I had to go through, um, the pain and the and 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 the sorrow and still the struggles that I go through today that I am forced to focus on a spiritual journey every day that I'm able to be able to sit down and talk about this openly. You know, it's amazing to me was you're just uh, as you were talking. I was thinking to myself the number of people who just coast through life right. and they don't think about their spirituality, they don't think about their relationship with God, and yet someone who, like yourself, is really engaged, a really hard, painful journey, it becomes kind of the focus of their life. And so that becomes the gift, the double, or yeah. the, the, what kind of, it's a double gift, a different type of gift that comes with, uh, yeah. with, with alcoholism and addiction. Yeah. It wow. is. It is. It is a gift, you know, to be able to have a conscious contact with your Creator, yeah. you know, and that's what recovery is all about. It's not about getting sober, you know. It's not about stopping drinking and drugging or whatever it is, you know. The whole thing is just designed so that you can have a relationship with God. Wow. And once you have a relationship with God and you get that connection, you don't ever want to break it again. And the one thing that's going to break it faster than anything is by putting drugs or alcohol in your body. Yeah. What do you say to um, someone who has a loved one who is destroying their lives with drugs? Uncle, what do you say? First of all, my heart goes out to him. This is nothing. It's this is a family disease. You know, um, this does not just affect the person who is using and drinking. You know, it affects everybody around them. I put my family through just hell. You know, when I was in, uh, actively in addiction, um, I would say you know my first recommendation is surround yourself by people that are in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a program called Al-Anon, and I would highly recommend that anybody who's in that situation or has a loved one get to an Al-Anon meeting. Talk to other people. People that are dealing with people that, you know, are in their lives that have addiction of alcohol or drugs, whatever it may be. Cool. You know, the one of the things that I've always loved about you is that you're a person who lives with purpose. Ah. <laughs> um, I love the fact that you're really intentional about your life, that you're just not kind of willy-nilly going about your life, but you're really intentional about things. If you were to think about your life purpose... What would you say your life purpose is in, re- in relation and reflection to all this? How would you talk about your purpose? Well, it probably changes on a weekly basis, <laughs> you know, but I do have a general direction that I, that I want to go. My, my purpose, you know, really is, is to help people, you know. Um, I find that, And you, you do know, that. I love that about you. Know, you know, I, I find that, that I'm, I'm happiest and I'm, I'm at more peace with myself when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm helping other people, you know. And it's amazing. The more I give away, the more I get back. 
you know, it comes tenfold back to me, which is amazing to me. So um, I don't understand how it works, but for some reason, it just seems to happen that way. So your purpose is to give to other people? Help in any way I can, you know, whether that's through recovery or even through business, you know, Mm -hmm. even through my real estate career, you know, any way I can help other people. I just love it, you know, Mm -hmm. so that's the purpose. Absolutely. You know, one of the times uh, in the wake of... um, of some of the losses that you had of loved ones. Mm-hmm. You and I talked one time and you said, you know, I don't know if I could keep on doing this work. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, yeah, you know, I don't think that's your option. <laughs> I, I think that if, that if you said, I'm not going to do this anymore, that God would still find a way to bring this into your life. Right. Do you think that working with, with addicts is part of your purpose? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is really hard when you lose somebody you're close to, especially somebody you're trying to help get sober and, and they end up, you know, something tragic happens and they pass mm-hmm. away. Um, but absolutely, it, it's, it, you know, they say you find out your purpose as you go along through life. But absolutely, I think that working with other alcoholic and addicts is my purpose, you know. So, you know, I have this, you know, so I wrote this book, Sent to Soar. Yes. And uh, and part of the premise of the book is that God sends us into the world to fulfill a, a divine purpose. Mm-hmm. Do you think that God sent you into the world to, to fulfill this divine purpose of helping other people? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think it's very clear that God has put me here to help other people out, you know. And also, I think a huge reason in being a father, you know, God put me on this world to raise Jack, too. That's huge. Know? That's huge, you know, and to love that kid up and give him every opportunity he has to have an amazing life. That's awesome. Yeah. That part of your purpose in, in life is, is raising your son. Yeah, exactly. And your sobriety has made that possible. Exactly. At my work, we talk about our whys. Why do we get up every morning and go sell houses? You know, why do we get up and make our calls and stuff like that, you know? And I, get, I, 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 I do that so that I have the opportunity to help people get sober and help my son have an amazing life. Cool. And that's my why. And a little part of it is so I can also go out and have some fun and play golf. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're a big golfer, aren't you? I love to golf. I love you to golf. You golf like some. some you uh, golf in the middle of winter, right? No, I, you know I, I I'm a kind of a warm snob, you know, <laughs> guy. I like I like the warm weather. So I have a 50 degree rule. You know, if it's below 50, I'm not going to play golf. Um, but I love to golf. I love to ski, and I love to scuba dive. Um, you know, um, and these are all things that I lost in, in, in addiction, you know, and then getting sober, I got to get them all back, which wow. is cool. You know, I think that's, so. a, that's a great testimony to, yeah. to someone who's in the middle of battling addictions that if, if you want to have a life, I mean, you're an example of someone who actually has a life. I love my life. You yeah. were in the, you were in the lowest of the low. You were yeah. living on the streets yeah. in downtown Denver yep. in a car, sleeping in a car. Yeah. And here you are now a successful businessman. Um, thriving business, a beautiful family, and you get to do everything that you love and want to do in, in your life. Yeah, I'm very blessed. You know, so I knew when I started this podcast that uh, I was supposed to interview you. Um, I felt as though that God was telling me, you've got to interview Todd Rice is one of the first people that you interviewed. And, and I think maybe I now know why, that I think there's somebody out there who needs to hear this message. And I'm hoping that if this is you, and you're listening to this uh, podcast that you'll do something about it. Or maybe um, you know somebody uh, that needs to hear this podcast, needs to hear uh, Todd's message. Then I hope you share it. I hope you uh, uh, turn people on to the podcast. Todd, one more time, give give. do you, do you mind if people call you? For the no, the please. Of- anybody, please call me. Absolutely. Uh, 720-318-4812. Anytime, please give me a call or shoot me a text. Perfect. Anything you want to say in closing? 
Um, hey, thanks for having me. This is this has uh, been a little nerve wracking, but uh, <laughs> you've done but, great. <laughs> but I'm really grateful that I got to do this, and uh, and I hope people all have an open mind when they hear it. So, Good, yeah. So this is Stephen Poos Benson bringing an end to this episode of the Stephen Poos Benson podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next time. We'll see you. Bye. <laughs>